Welcome to Dragon Time! Yay! Come on. I yeah. have a studio audience. An oh. actual studio audience member That's amazing. Today. Studio audience for the official Thunders and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito, and that is... Shelly Noble and Quinn and Puppy. Oh my gosh, hello. Even Puppy's getting in on the action. Puppy, he's cheer. Like, like, oh, oh, oh. Sounds like a little seal. Yeah. Very excited for this show. We have uh, two amazing Chris's coming on to talk about spell jams and spell oh, jammer. Jams. Um. And inspiration and how uh, art feeds into art and uh, writing stories around adventuring in space, uh, such as Spelljammer, Adventures in Space, that you can pick up uh, anywhere that you get fine games, can inspire musicians, 19 of them, in fact, to contribute to one of my favorite albums of 2022, Grammy Contender, Spell Jams. (laughs) It is is an amazing work album. I've been listening to it the last uh, couple non- of weeks that it's been released. Just nonstop, right? Nonstop. Um, I will. I have to say it is, and take it for what it is, being the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. But this album is really good. It's really good. It's got some I really great tracks. Am amazed, and I feel so much gratitude to these very talented artists that lent their time, their energy, their talents to create. Songs about our little world. Yeah. Really inspired songs, which... And we give Chris Funk uh, so much props during the interview, so you'll be able to uh, listen in and uh, see him, uh, his process working with these artists and bringing it all to life. A little bit about songwriting, a little bit about producing and how all that happens, but it's very exciting. Um, You'll get to to, look behind the curtain a little bit here. Yes. Uh, and also how it kind of ties into D&D and being a dungeon master. Because it all does. Anything that, that you do really well in life, you can probably map back to being a dungeon master. <laughs> Have you ever collaborated with another person on a project? Uh, D&D. Speaking yeah. of collaborating with another person on a project... You and I have collaborated together on a project. Yes, we have. Oh, is, oh, oh, we got more oh, applause. Oh, we're getting more applause. More applause from the studio <laughs> Good. audience. That was yes. excellent. Great well timing. Well timed. Uh, our little book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, which is is coming out in December, and it's like actually getting into the hands of people of actual book reviewers because we yeah. received our first official review today. That's great. I know if you have access to NetGalley, I know some of our listeners might be in the publishing scene there and able to check it out. But yeah, I was I was surprised. I didn't know it was out there yet. And it's and people are reviewer, reading it. Our uh, can we name our reviewer? Is that possible? Yes. <laughs> Is that why not? It's uh, they said so many wonderful things about it. Uh, the his blog is Martin's View. Um, and yeah, so uh, as someone who has listened to the podcast, uh, but definitely hasn't heard all of, of our episodes and said he was inspired to actually like listen to more Dragon Talk. So um, definitely we'll check out Martin's View um, at a blog spot that you can check out all of his book reviews, but definitely check out the Welcome review to Dragon Talk. Welcome to Dragon Talk. I'm so excited for um, more and more people to... Check it out, right? And December is going to be coming very fast. We're going to be on a lot of podcasts talking about it from different areas of the D&D community. And you will learn stuff about some of our guests as well as a little bit about D&D and, and Shelly and I's role in, in, in marketing and talking about it over the last few years. Yeah, a little insider, insider. You know, the history yeah. of. And it's just, it's just... A, a wonderful way to commemorate this little podcast of ours. I'm so excited. Yeah. Nearly 400 episodes will be, have been created by the time this is published, which is, it just boggles my mind each time I think about how, many, how much content we, we have created for this. Um, and that you have gotten I to listen to. believe that Martin even mentioned that in his review, and I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa. We're getting up there. That's a lot. It's That's a lot. a lot, you guys. So... Exciting, and it's all due to you, the listeners out there. So thank you, those of you who have been paying attention. Uh, I know one of them out there is Secretary of State 
Washington Secretary of State Steve Hobbs. Yay! Oh. He, he, we actually have an essay, an essay about <laughs> the quit, quit love Steve Hobbs. He's very into politics. He's, what a wonk he is. I know, right? <laughs> um, and at PAX West, we just had this amazing uh, panel. You will be able to learn uh, about what... He does as Secretary of State. It's very interesting the the duties that the Secretary of State has that be are beyond um, what I what I considered what they were like. You know, uh, so you'll find out about that as well as the importance of just getting out there and and voting and uh, making your voice heard uh, as much as you can. Yep, uh, wonderful. So very excited. Yeah, and again, we have an essay about him in the book, so you can learn a little bit more about that uh, and. Speaking of voices being heard, the 1D&D playtest is open. You can check it out, the the rules on character origins, and put your thoughts into the survey for that first foray into the 1D&D playtest. I got to say, that was one of your best segues ever. (laughs) I mean, I don't know... If if y'all think this show is scripted, it's not. I know that's going to come as a complete shock. <laughs> because we couldn't hire a writer to write a better segue than that. Just so you. It is uh, about, yeah, again, uh, loop, connecting the dots. That's what makes Dungeon Mastering is all about as well. It's just making so sure good. you can go from one thing to the next, you know? Very good. Yeah. I appreciate that. I was I heard you're a little like, oh, you're like you were like, <laughs> that was such a good segue. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't realize I made an audible. It was a vocal app. response. Uh, wow! Which is uh, you knew it. You had a note. It was good. It was appreciated. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, we are ready to get right into our interview. Speaking of appreciating, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to appreciate some funk and some Perkins. Yeah. Two Chris's coming at you, coming at you full steam. All right. Let's welcome Chris Funk back to Dragon Talk. Woo! Yay! Thanks for Yahoo! having me back. So excited. I'm in back. To talk about Belgiums. Yes, Belgiums. <laughs> this album has been in my rotation the last uh, week and a half here, two weeks. Uh, it's just a great working yeah. album. I've had it in the background just when I'm working all day. It's great. Me too. Awesome. It is, awesome. and I'm I'm not even someone who can usually have music on when I'm working because I just get too distracted by it, but right. I can have this on, and I awesome. do. I don't even have a rotation anymore because it's just one album. That's it. That's all <laughs> I listen to. Awesome. And I feel like well, every time I listen, I f- like, it's like something new pops up in my head. I'm like, I didn't even notice that the first time. It's just epic. It's amazing. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. It was a lot of fun making it. Everybody had a lot of fun making it. It was a lot of fun. I mean, from the the onset to developing what, you know, I think it was Greg that came to me and was, or maybe Perkins or maybe Greg. And it was like, what does a a record look like for a Dungeons and Dragons uh, release? Right. So that was the beginning. So just even like kind of concepting on that um, and thinking what that could be. And then seeing where the this album was truly a collaboration with the artists involved, also, and some of the writers at D and D, and you all too, and um, a real team effort, and with Kill Rockstars. So it was fun to see people turn in songs and listen, rather not see, and um, hear what they came up with. You know, it's just kind of mind-boggling how it actually all came together. To be totally honest, <laughs> right? I yeah. agree. Yeah, because we've been talking about uh, doing some kind of album collaboration for for years i know uh, yeah. dungeon of the mad mage was one of our like oh yeah we could do that and we can add in uh, other folks and we have now perkins getting added into this yeah. amazing teleportation mix. into wild space um but uh when when we were talking about uh trying to match up an album with a D product um Chris's pitch uh, was all about how uh, Flash Gordon would be uh, about it. And then I kept on thinking about music, and this was the perfect way to, to bring it all together. Absolutely. Yeah. Should Mr. I'm, Perkins, who just joined us, speak to Flash Gordon, the great Flash Gordon? I Can love you hear Flash us? Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> We're throwing I you right into it. the mix. It's camp. 
and I'm a sucker <laughs> for camp. <laughs> and also great costumes. And Some of the best. Dialogue. Yes. And the music was so important to that. It was powerful. Um, I think, I think you could you could forgive a lot about sort of trashy 80s sci-fi if it had a good score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, they went they went right to the top with that one and grabbed Queen for it. So yes. it's kind of it's kind of cheating. It was like you could put Queen on any sort of film and probably level up a little bit there, right? Indeed. Especially in that time period, right? Where they were uh, you know, the the biggest act that they were at the time. Um yeah. And uh, we, we try to bring that energy to, to spell jams uh, around it because it was such an inspiration for, um, for, for the Spell Jammer uh, Adventures in Space product. And then having these two come together, uh, uh, you know, Funk, what, what was kind of the way you were able to uh, pitch this to the artist? To, to, like, did you use a lot of these touchstones that we were just talking about? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, backing up to, I think, you know, Chris mentioning Queen and that soundtrack and kind of like a wink to the 80s a little bit, maybe, that maybe synths could be used and anthem rock. Um, obviously, that's not what, all what we ended up with, but I quickly made a playlist and I think I shared it with you all. And I started thinking mm -hmm. about uh, human being space. And when we think of music, what do we think of with space? So we think about theremins, which is the sound of, you know, which the Beach Boys used in Good Vibrations. For some reason, that's our concept of sci-fi, which I think largely comes from film, right? Um, but then also listening to some more classic rock and then kind of going from there, thinking about artists who sort of milk space in, in real life. So Sun Ra, Parliament, Funkadelic, thinking about um, kismic artists and then presenting that to musicians and saying, by the way, forget I just said that because this isn't real human being space. This is wild space, which is completely different. It's this active world. And there was a couple of times where I had to go back and ask artists to change a couple lyrics here and there and say like, that's a little too human space. Can you make it more fantastical and, you know, go back to the reference material and sort of read yeah. up again a little bit. Um, but that was the beginning process was to, you know, take this, this uh, lofty goal of queen <laughs> <laughs> and, Think about space and then figure out how we're going to have artists write about it. You know, people that are not familiar with uh, wild space and not familiar with spell jam or people that were not familiar with D&D beyond, you know, just knowing that it's this huge, longstanding uh, game featured in Stranger Things now. So yeah. it was quite the process. Yeah. And one of the things I love to imagine is, you know, you could travel to the Rock of Brawl, which is this city in space. And if you go into one of the taverns there, there might be some bards in the corner and they're actually playing and singing one of these songs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. It does. It feels very in-world. I definitely feel like I, I just lose myself in the music a lot. And then all of a sudden I'll just be like, did she just say Astral Elves? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you did. This is a D&D &D song. But it is... It's just, it is incredible how it does feel very much the essence of the product, but there's just, there's so many, how many artists are there on here? I know that number. 19, I know. I think it's 19, 19, right? Yeah. 19 different artists. And yet with all very distinct sounds and yet they've all managed to make something that does feel really cohesive. It's, which I guess is a credit yeah. to you, Mr. Funk. Oh, and I credit Mr. Perkins and everybody else. But yeah, the sort of the process of them uh, finding prompts for people to write from. Yeah. Um, I think this kind of started with the Mad Mage concept, which is, I think, 25 levels of dungeon. It was kind of like, okay, let's look at the 12 chapters. And Chris Perkins wrote a bunch of cliff notes for everybody. Nice. Um, we also had the full module to hand out to people. And I we uh, would walk artists, we'd do a Zoom call just like this. And um, meet with Chris Lindsay or whoever was available from the team, meet with the artist, and he would sort of explain, like, here's exactly what's happening in here and fast track them so they didn't have to read the entire uh, <laughs> entire storyline and module. <laughs> and it worked really well. And then, of course, there's only 12 chapters in the book, I believe. So we had mm -hmm. 19 artists. So people started grabbing other characters and were just inspired by, like, single objects like moons yeah. or, um, you know, they started, like, grabbing onto characters as well as their beginning points. And some of it, you know, you really you read the lyrics and you're like, this is absolutely about this. And then you read some and you're like, this could be about anything. But when you really listen to the artists talk about how they got there, um, you know, imagining relationships, like much like we do in a game, you know, which is the yeah. fun part. We did. There was nobody was restricted. 
were like, tell a story using the story. So to me, it felt really, really D&D, this collaboration between Wizards of the Coast and Kill Rockstars and the artists, and then setting people free to do whatever they want with it uh, to sort of point back was pretty incredible. Yeah, I imagine um, Perkins that like it's having an album that is inspired by an adventure that you wrote. What were the lead designer? I know you had other people helping you with it, but this is like your your brainchild here. That I don't. What is what what is that? What does that even feel like? Is it like just the 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 ultimate tribute, the best kind of fan art imaginable? Um, it, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, but these opportunities rarely come up, you know, so yeah. they're, they're special, but it's, it's just art inspiring art. It's just sort of the cycle of creativity that yeah. one expression can give rise to another and people can enjoy each expression on its own mm-hmm. or they can marry them together. And I think that's, that's just a wonderful kind of rare experience uh, when it happens. So it's always a trip. Yeah. It's similar to how the stuff that you write and create and we all do at, at, at Wizards gets to the table and then everything is different and changed and, and inspired by the yeah. people who, who exactly. come there and too. I, yeah. I see a lot of that in different forms, like something I might create turns into a miniature or something I create gets inserted into a D&D movie. Um uh, this this is just another one of those, um, but it's it's unusual for me anyway. It's only happened a couple times now, where something I've created turns into music. Right. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is that you, Chris, being a creator and writer of this thing that is at your. We're actually always telling people in D anD D to go out and make it your own, or you. This is a suggestion, or is it if someone you know I've been a part of this where they. Uh, originate something and it's a storyline and then it goes off to become a musical or a movie or something where, you know, many friends that work on the, in that field see it and they're like, Oh God, that's not what I was thinking. You're kind of always, you're always writing something for someone to change it how they want. So I think that's really kind of fascinating. It just dawned yeah. on me. Yeah. Well, you have this like idea, you were like, yeah, it's flash Gordon and it's like, here's the beginning, but you have to like let go and just let people run with it. Just like we did. Exactly. And I'm I'm personally tickled at the prospect of somebody not knowing anything about D&D, but mm-hmm. playing one of these songs and hearing the words like solar dragon. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? That yeah. sounds awesome. You know, they're yeah. sort of encountering D&D in a way that I did not. Right. I don't think anybody imagined Reggie Watts uh, whispering "Solar Dragon" in like a <laughs> flirtatious oh way would 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 occur. But yeah, yeah. Somebody listening to Reggie's song will hear lots of like actual snippets from the adventure, but without they'll be they'll be experiencing it in a completely different context. Yeah, yeah. Like it's still it's still just a really good song. It's just a a funny song. Um, I, I find myself often just in my head hearing the future of space is the future of space. <laughs> <laughs> Very deep. <laughs> the future of it's, space. it's shallow and deep at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Incredible. Like the astral sea. <laughs> That's oh, so cool. That. But there's so much in Spelljammer to be inspired by. And I, Chris Lindsay did spend a lot of time talking to a lot of the artists to help them come up with ideas. He said some of them like had their songs written like during their their call. Like they were just like, yeah. oh, I got like they just became so inspired by it that they would just hang up with a song, basically. Pretty much like a chorus or a hook or, um, you know, Devin Gillipon, who, you know, me and the moon. He's like, oh, it's, oh, it's I already got the hook in my head, like me and the moon, me and the moon. And I was like. Okay, see you later. <laughs> see you in a week. You know, right. as, uh, a, as a songwriter, like uh, uh, funk, like does that is is that all you need? Sometimes is just that one idea, and then the whole thing kind of spools out from that. Like, is that that that's so cool? And yeah, in my experience as a songwriter, producer, someone who's taught songwriting classes, and you talk to a lot of people, and obviously, I know a lot of people write songs all the time, myself included. It's you know, sometimes it can come from the music. Sometimes it can come from uh, a life experience and then the lyrics come to you you know some you hear people talk about i woke up from a dream and you know they have this transcendental moment where it happens but everybody in this project 
uh, 100%, everybody was like, that was so great to write from a prompt, you know, because ostensibly they're being given something to start with. Right. Yeah. And I think it was really freeing for people. And, um, some of them stepped outside of their normal, uh, genres a little bit here and there, and they were able, and there's a couple of collaborations. So I think people were just excited that this is an assignment. It's a part of this project, but, um, I get to be whatever I want to be right now, which to me is hundred percent on the nose for D and D. Totally. So, yeah, I think yeah. on some level it kind of resonates with, you know, the childhood experience of playing in your friend's sandbox. Absolutely. Yeah. That, uh-huh. Like I, I always have to write in this narrative form or I always have to write about love songs because that's what people know me as, or I'm a hip hop artist. And I have to do a hip hop banger, you know, looking at Shabazz palaces who handed this 10 minute song in and uh-huh. he's, he's like, it's a chant. And he was like, here's what the chant is. It's someone before they're going out of the moon dancer and they're going into battle and like, this is what it is. And I was like, okay, that's not what I kind of wanted you to write, which is my bad for saying like, I kind of wanted you to write like a straight up hip hop banger. <laughs> um, but he turned it's got into this, this like, wonderful bit in the middle of it though, where somebody I swear is speaking deep speech and that's yes. Yes. forever going to be deep speech in my mind now. Yeah. He was, he was all in. So, so incredible to hear uh, people really flexing their creative muscles and, and, really leaning into this. I love that that's the last track on the album too, because it feels like it could just go on forever. Like you can feel like yeah. that, 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 that chanting and that kind of thing is, is, uh, yeah, just a perfect last track, right? That just goes and goes and goes like awesome. the, the astral sea. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> so how did you funk? How did you come up with the artists to contribute to this? Cause you said a lot of them, don't have yeah. any D and D. It wasn't like you just went to people who look. Oh, I know you love D and D. Want to be on this album? Yeah. There's people who don't have any experience with D and D. I think I started with, you know, kind of like thinking about. Okay, I know that there's going to be this genre like, like heavy rock, right? So John Dwyer from OCs, who I knew also played D and D. He was like my yeah. first email, and he <laughs> wrote back right away. He's like, I'm all in, of course. Um, and then from there, I just thought about musical diversity and human diversity and just trying to make sure that that this was a wide palette that represents to me what D&D has become, too, which is a, a lot of different people playing D&D. So those were kind of my guiding lights. And then people that I just thought were exciting, people that I listened to a couple of times, some managers are like, hey, I've got this artist. You want, you know, I was talking to them about another artist. And they're like, how about this artist? And I was like, actually, that'd be great. So I don't know. It sort of reflects my suburban upbringing and my music collection that I've listened to all kinds of music. And um, to me, it was like, I didn't want, I think with like music in fantasy play, like role, role play games and stuff, we have this preconceived notion of what it is, right? It has to be, um, you know, something resembling the Game of Thrones soundtrack, which is a great thing to play D&D to, of course. And then, and I do that often, but what else could it be? You know, where else could we insert music into our, our minds and D and D? And I was really just thinking about growing, at least from my perspective and, and how I play growing that, uh, that soundtrack to a degree. So just trying to go all over the place with it. Yeah. That was, and that was a big thing we talked about early on was like, this should not just feel like one artist, but with different, you know, names on the tracks, like it would need to feel very eclectic and uh, bringing in different styles and, and things like that. And you, you really nailed yeah. it by, by, by having that list of, of people coming to this. Super. It was very fun. Yeah. So. Okay. So we're going to the Grammys, right? We're totally going to the Grammys. <laughs> we're going. I will get that. What are you wearing? Best compilation for fantasy RPG gaming. It's very we're win that category. Very tight competition, but I think we've got a leg up for sure. I think we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about some of the some of the artists on here, but what um what was it uh you know some of the standouts that you have from uh from this track list just to get people who haven't heard it yet like you know uh, some anecdotes about 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 bringing them all together. So you mentioned the OCs. Uh, yeah, uh, and 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 that and that group, we had Magic Sword on there. Is I, I love yes. that yeah. opening. Great, it song. feels very yeah. much. It sets the tone for for the whole thing. Yeah, and they had to speak to the Magic Sword track. I mean, we're, they're friends of ours here at D and D and Funk Land. Um, <laughs> and I think <laughs> to me, they were like going to do the Queen track. I was like, I, I, that was one. I was like, just make a a prologue. Make sure it's got a loud electric guitar. Um, we had my friend Kyle sing the vocals on there, and he's got a very you know, soaring Freddie Mercury sort of 
um, voice. So I, I kind of wanted to have that as, as someone do that as some sort of a nod to Queen. So that one feels Queenish to me. But other ones I think are great. I think Michaela Davis is, is really great. She's a harp player. Um, I met her. She played harp on a December's record, and she's got her own band. And I really love what she wrote about. I think the song's really interesting. Um, I think the Wizard of Waz track, which is Jen Wozner, <laughs> uh, who plays in several bands. She plays with Bonnie Vare and she plays with um, mm. her own band, Flock of Dimes. I think that track is really beautiful and really interesting, and the lyrics are really great. Um, gosh, what else? Um, oh, I think the band Teke Teke is really interesting, which was yeah. a suggestion from Kill Rock Stars. Um, and she actually sings, she's like, can, we, can I sing in Japanese? I'm Japanese. And I was like, of course, you know, other languages are obviously welcome. And I just think the mood of that track is really sinister and it feels like you're flying through space somehow to me, you know, um, I think that's a, that's a standout one for me as well. But, you know, there's not a bad one in the bunch, I'd have to say, like, mm-hmm. I was, I was surprised. I also think the Deiru, Aruj of Tab record is, or track is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, Aruj of Tab is a, singer she just won a grammy for you know best world music i think in that category and then deiru is a electronic music composer um and i listen to his music a lot actually when i played D and i was like hey this is a moment would you like to collaborate with a vocalist for the first time he's like yeah i'd love to and i i just put a rouge in front of him and he was like oh my god dude, that would be amazing and wrote her and she's like finally spoke with her and she's like i grew up reading dragon lance i'm like okay you're in no like, way <laughs> yeah so she um collaborated with him and that was really fun to see come to life they've never met or worked together before that's amazing like, and, and really he special. had never collaborated with a vocalist before to my knowledge at least under that moniker of deiru uh, it's kind of a band. risk i like it yeah but really really beautiful uh, track that they came up with so. And they had to collaborate, you know, via uh, video conferencing, right? Too, right? So it was it yeah. was a truly way of like bringing in people from not just different genres, but don't completely different locations to to play together yeah, for the first time. I believe she she cut that on the road too. She's kind of having a moment, and she's touring like crazy. So it's kind of a squeaker getting that one in there, but she she accomplished it, so which was great. How does that work? Would they would did she go to like a studio that she was nearby and just lay she it did, down? yeah. Yeah, and then her uh, violinist is on there, and I think he cut it at home. And then Deiru took it all and put it in the world of Deiru, which is he does a lot of treatment to vocals and a lot of um, unusual techniques uh, of how he creates music. There's some amazing videos on Deiru showing his process, which is really incredible. Um, and I encourage you all to check out. He's kind of known as an electronic artist, but what he's really doing is sampling music and bending it and manipulating it. Uh, sort of more in the the way of the way Eno was doing it back in the day. Mm. So yeah, live and direct on the road. I can see that inspiration now. They're like, oh yeah, that totally makes that totally tracks. You know what's fascinating yeah. about hearing about this process? I've never. I mean, I obviously I'm a fan of music, listen to music for a long time. We also make podcasts. I'm aware of like how audio is edited and put together that way. And I think this this process and hearing how it was done and how you got different sources and different files to to do it was the first time I realized it's 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 obviously very difficult to do and create music, but it's not that dissimilar from from editing anything, editing editing uh, yeah. a podcast. It is just getting the sources, putting them together into a way that makes sense on a, on a track. And, you know, then all of a sudden you've got, it's done, it's complete. And it's a magic, yeah. magical thing. It is. I mean, it's easier than ever in the digital format. You know, um, I'm sitting in this room right here where I've made many records on, in my house. But with all those unlimited possibilities and uh, helpful bits that the computer provides, it also can go on forever too. you know, just knowing <laughs> when to say when is yeah. like, when is the, when is the song finished? You know, that's a, that's an interesting moment. I always, I always think, but right. Yeah. Not that different from when a, a book is finished. That's, right, I was going right. to say, Chris, probably Perkins can probably have experience <laughs> with that. When, when is this book finished? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like finite endings, like boom, it's over. As opposed yeah. to that sort of, it's just trailing off and you yeah. think the song's just going on forever in some other dimension. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd imagine at Wizards of the Coast, you probably have some deadlines that encourage that. We do. That. And we have we have <laughs> actual helps. like page counts and we have to, when we run out of pages, that's it. That's it. No more words. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. 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 And like, and Perkins, you, you know, have obviously worked with a lot of, of creators, freelancers, writers. It's 
hearing Funk talk about this album coming together is probably, there's probably similarities to like when you work, like put together the team that's going to help you put together a book, especially, you know, an anthology like Candlekeep and just knowing different voices and different people and different strengths and bringing them all together. It's exactly the same. Like a skill that you've honed from being yeah, a dungeon master. It doesn't master. matter if it's a book or an album. It's exactly yeah. the same process. You you look for people with great voices and immense talent and you bring them together and you hope that alchemy takes care of the rest. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. In this case, it has. Um, and you guide, you guide them along the way and you answer their questions and you make sure you're setting them up for success and then you let them go and do their thing. It's something that I think young artists don't necessarily understand, right? Where, and maybe your experience is different, but when I was younger, I always thought there was this, you know, uh, you had to do it a certain way. You had to be completely inspired and you had to come up with your your own original ideals all the time. And and if you didn't, you were a fraud and all these types of weird (laughs) things that you have when you're an adolescent trying to, trying to create stuff. And as and maybe just because we're older now, I can kind of think about like, you know, it is collaboration. It is good enough. It is, it is getting uh, uh, the right team assembled is, and, and having a prompt and having a deadline. All these things are actually what makes art art. It's not the ethereal inspiration that we sometimes uh, want to think of it as when we're, when we're young. Yeah. And I think part yeah. of the key to, to sort of keeping your head about the process is, to let yourself be inspired and surprised, like not, not, to, not to figure everything out at the beginning so that you can leave yourself open to surprise and contribution from other folks. Um, if you're too strict and you sort of put too many guardrails at the outset, you're going to get something that feels like it's had some of the inspiration sapped out of it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's same with music. You can work on a song forever. You know, you can work on a mix forever when you're mixing the song, which is the final process before it's released. You know, it's like, how loud is the tambourine? Like, you can think about that forever. But I guarantee no one's really listening to the tambourine. <laughs> Not no loud enough. That's what right. I yes. say. <laughs> yes. So I always try to think of these things as timepieces, you know, after a while, which affords me some criticism of myself of what could have been done better, you know? Um, and it's like, this oh, is yeah. a period of time. And, you know, kind of trust yourself. You've been doing this a long time and you make someone, someone has told you along the way you're doing something right at this point, <laughs> myself and you and everyone. And I look forward to the next one. So I'm already thinking about the next D&D comp. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> It'll be the album of many things, perhaps. Who yeah, knows? The, the bar has <laughs> been set. That's been one of the best pieces of uh, feedback I've seen from people who were excited about uh, Spell Jams coming out because we did get to surprise and delight fans when Spell Jammer Adventures in Space came out. We were like, and there's this, you know, amazing compilation album. You know, you can you can you can work on it and listen to it together while you're prepping for your game or even during your game. And then so many people were like, this is amazing, and it needs to happen with more D and D releases out there. And I think that has been the best kind of like. And one and applause that you could possibly get for a project like this, right? That's great to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's better than them saying, "Don't quit your day job." And <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is my day job, sucker. I make albums. That's yeah, true. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so really don't please don't quit your day job, Mister Funk. Um, but yeah, it's different than a lot of people I know will put together a playlist inspired like that of existing songs that they you know think inspire the mood of of a book or something but um this is you know beyond that these are actually inspired by the actual product and I do we do have to just call out cuz I get a new favorite song like every 10 minutes but I'm really <laughs> stuck on space fighters right now me too <laughs> oh it's so good i just That's have like awesome. that little we are space fighters Doing, Mono Neon, yeah, doing Mono, what's Mono right. Neon is a he's a he is a force of nature. I encourage Good. you all to follow him on Instagram, where he he did it actually like a, on release day. He did a, a he karaoke himself was like dancing around his bedroom, no. where, where his and his outfits are just unbelievable. So he's incredible. He is he is the dubious honor of being the last person to record with Prince before Prince died. Oh, he's wow. a bass wow. player, player's player and singer, and um, he's he's just an amazing, unique person. <laughs> so I love really how you had, came on board. 
Yeah, you had said he was uh, uh, in the same vein or, or or continuing on the tradition of funk from from George Clinton and and, and yeah. Parliament Funkadelic, and I, I I have that now locked in my brain. Every time I hear that, it's 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 you know the odd idea, and I don't think a lot of people George Clinton and, and funk. As you mentioned early on in this interview, like they were on a spaceship, they were basically creating this weird <laughs> idea of funk uh, being a part of 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 their sci-fi journey, uh, yeah. and their costumes and everything reflected how they arrived on a mothership, and then were just bringing the funk from from uh, from their Space world. Funk. And I just, I, I mean, that you can't get more spelljammer than that. I know, and it's it's really that uh, the mothership connection has just sort of lasted in funk music. You know, it's like the ground zero for for kismet funk. You know, um, so yeah, that was uh, and, and mono plays a lot with George. So I was like, okay, we we've got the touch of funk coming from from the, <laughs> directly from the mothership if we get mono on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just such a good like just like a pump you up going to play D&D song. I just love it. I'm like, yes, I will be shooting through the stars on a Saturday night. Thank yeah. you. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. Glad you like it. Yeah. I mean, I like them all. I can't. I, I honestly just, I can't stop listening to it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Perkins, what were Please some do. of your, your, your standouts there? Uh, on, I know we've been talking about a lot of them, but I know you have uh, some favorites. Well, I, I feel like we made it big when we had at least one song on the album with explicit lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> right? Parental advisory. Yes. And the, the expression, I will bleep you up, keeps bumping in my head and has been for the last few weeks. That's the Caliphone track, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's that's a good one. It's particularly wonderful when you kind of understand the point of view of the song is from a character in the adventure sort of a reprehensible fellow. Um, <laughs> and it's it's delightful. And, it the, and the title, I mean, Chaotic Evil Astral Elves. <laughs> there are a few. I, know, I, I asked him who is California and was like, do you want periods, lowercase? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, why? He's like, it just felt right. And I was like, yeah, okay, thank you very much. The song's great. <laughs> it does. It does feel right. Like I... I see it and I'm like, yes, I, I get the vibe. Yes. For sure. And it's, um, you know, tonally and uh, all of it, it's very different from its companion song, which is uh, Penny and Sparrow's Zadali or Zedali, yeah. um, which is a song about another character related to that first character um, uh, from the adventure. Uh, they're sort of yin and yang Um these two characters and the songs couldn't be more different, which is just too perfect. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And you, you also like the wizard of Waz song too. I did. Yes. I like a lot. I like all of the songs, but um, that one, that one, when I first listened to all the tracks um, and I listened to them over and over and over again, um, that's the one that I just had to keep, keep hitting replay on. Um, partly because I was so fascinated by the lyrics, but partly because I just love the the tempo of it and the riff, the guitar yeah. riff in the middle of it. That's a great guitar solo in there, very Fripp-inspired, King Crimson. Which, mm -hmm. Yeah, Jen sent that back to me. I'm like, God, that solo is so Fripp. She's like, yes, exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that. I love it when I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but I love it that you know what you're talking about. Yeah, oh right. my gosh. Oh, cool, half, cool. Yeah. Half the conversations that we had, Funk, with you and and Rob from Kill Rockstars, I'm like, I am, like, my cool days are so over. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I even had them, like, I don't know. But yeah, we're just, yeah. we're lifers hanging out by a thread over here. <laughs> Rockland. <laughs> well, I definitely feel cooler now having this album in rotation. Awesome. I do too. Yeah. We got to help make it for D and D. So, I mean, yeah. uh, you mentioned. Days as a, oh well. I was just, gonna say, I was just remembering your days as interning for Sub Pop. Uh, you know, it's it's long gone. I know, and I I'm fairly certain I uh, like sent 
a resume on like really nice Kinko's quality paper to kill <laughs> rock stars 25 years ago when I moved. You did? I'm sure I did because they're in Portland. So anywhere, like I was canvassing anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. I'm like, I just want to work for a record label. So I don't know. Well, now Rob, you did. No. I mean, yeah. You I don't did. Mm, you know, I don't know if it, I don't know. But it was fun. Those days, those days sure were fun back in then. It was great how Rob at, at, at Kill Rockstars and everybody there just was, they got this from the, from the beginning totally. too. They were like, oh yeah, no, we totally know what we're going for here. And it was just another part of the collaboration. It was really nice. Yeah, yes. they were so excited. And Slim Moon, who owns uh, Kill Rockstars and has for many, many years and actually signed my band to our very first record deal. Um, he was so excited when he just came across his plate. and. You know, as the time went on, it was just like kind of crazy how many people got involved making this record from D&D art team to the creatives to you all to distribution of people that kill rock stars. It was like, wow, there's a lot of people that put a record out these days. I'm, I'm never a part of those meetings anymore. You know, yeah. um, so it's just like, wow, this is the, the industry is still alive. It gave me hope. <laughs> yeah, and vinyl yeah. is still alive. I was very excited when we it was always like kind of a, 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 a weather balloon we were putting up. Like, man, if we could do a vinyl, you know, physical edition, it would be so great. And I'm I'm very pleased that we're able to to offer that for for folks because it is there's something about having a physical media the artifact the artifact, the artifact edition. edition yeah yes. exactly um, yeah it's I really really beautiful I can't yeah. wait I know yeah. it's super cool. Um, but yes, shout out to our our art team because they worked very hard on making this album beautiful. The vinyl is stunning, and um, they they really didn't have time to do it. And when they heard about this project, they were like, "Shoot, we <laughs> can't say no to this." So yeah, yeah, probably some some overtime there, but but well worth it. That you yeah. could everybody was very inspired. It was great. Um, we but don't speaking get to do of, this very often. you don't. No, I mean, hopefully, we will get to do this more often. But um, for yeah, the first time, it was it was great. Awesome. We need more. We need more. More. Um, how so, Funk? You mentioned that you teach songwriting classes. I I do occasionally teach songwriting classes. Yeah, during the how? pandemic, I started doing that for a foundation here in Portland, and. Um, oh. It was really fun, and I've continued on doing that for a foundation uh, through the Newport Folk Festival in Providence, Rhode Island, which is wow. one of the longest-standing American music festivals where Pete Seeger went electric and Joni Mitchell just made her reappearance to the world. So <laughs> we, I help do programming for them and teach kids um, uh, high school age uh, with music and podcasting and all kinds of stuff. So I've been doing, continuing doing that because I've just enjoyed it. It's really, really fun. And it uh, makes allows me time to think about songwriting and and what are what are the keys and it's always this evolving course load you know I've got all these decks built because they're all on Zoom ah. and I really really love it um, it's been really fun and actually during the pandemic went back to school at Berkeley School of Music and audited some songwriting classes there oh, uh, wow. just to sort of learn more about it and learn more about creative writing and that kind of stuff so yeah it's really fun it helps me as a producer it helps me as a songwriter it helps me in my band, you know, do, do all kinds of stuff. So that's great. interesting. So thinking about how you, how you teach these concepts that might be, you know, part of your innate creativity at this point, but like, how do you get that out there and, and, and teach people is, is, is helping the, the collaboration still. Yeah. And I mean, these are, you know, these are young adults at this point, you know, age 16 is your young adult in my, my book and a lot yeah. of astute songwriters coming in. So it's fun just to take the time an hour and a half, you know, twice a week when these courses happen to just sit around and talk about songwriting, which is not often in my peer group. Do people do that anymore? You know, which is too bad. Right. And yeah. It's, it's interesting that the technology has advanced to the point where more people can take advantage of this kind of learning. Like when I right. was 16, there was no internet. I wouldn't yeah. be able to get in touch with anybody. Who's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Canada. In Canada, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the nice offsheds of the pandemic. I mean, like playing DD online, which is kind of how I always play DD now, just because it's faster and you get more gaming in, to be honest. 
is also that now people are comfortable with Zoom technologies and Google Meets or whatever. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, an online class, a workshop. I can fit that into my high school schedule for an hour. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's been great. I wish I could send you some of my songs from seventh grade. Please do. <laughs> Have you critique those. Do you remember any uh, titles? Um, Like there was a lot about the ocean. So nice. Uh, I get my poetry and my songs mixed up. Yeah. Um, but I did also have a very creative uh, run doing like Weird Al Yankovic style songs, which actually I still like maintain. Those were actually quite good. But, I bet they are. Yeah. Maybe I'll <laughs> dig those up for you. Uh, but I don't know why songwriting to me feels like the kind of art that can't be taught, but maybe, yeah. maybe it can. But is there, I just wonder if there's connections between like tips for writing a song, which is essentially like a very small nugget of a short story with like right. writing for D&D or as a, could a dungeon master also learn great storytelling from songwriting or just a different, a different medium? Can they? Is there I, a crossover? I think so. I, in, certainly in D&D, there are opportunities to encounter, you know, verse within a game. Uh, We also have a game that has an entire character class dedicated to the idea of, (laughs) you know, performance art. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the two, the two can certainly go hand in hand. And I, I've known some bard players who kind of, you know, went right over the waterfall and came up with, you know, songs for their stock songs, stock verses, um, you know, poetry basically. Um, that their character could rhyme off in the course of a battle or at a tavern or when talking to the king. Yeah. Yeah. I have one think- of my favorite bard characters would do that as the summation of the session. Like he would be writing little rhyming couplets That's that were cool. summing up what was going on. And then he would sing a song at the end, uh, you know, a couple of lines, but it would, it was always like, Oh, you did that while we were playing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I've done that. I've done that as a DM too. Uh, I've done basically session summaries as Dr. Susian rhymes. Uh, what? So, <laughs> you could um, write a book it, of those. That sounds it's, fun. Yeah, it's it's just a, a wonderful way to sort of convey information sometimes is lyrically. Yeah, I think with the songwriting class and learning to write a song, the main, at least my approach is that you have to at least have the intent to write a song. It's not going to write itself. So you're a young person who wants to write a song or you're an older person that wants to write a song. And the more and more, you know, I have a lot of guests on, the more that that we talk to people who are successful songwriters, you start to hear that it's like anything, it's a craft, right? It's like a painting class, right? You have to, you have to set time aside and work on it, right? And then it's also about shutting down your inner critic and just moving on from a piece. No one ever has to hear it. Just complete something and call it complete. And really, I do a lot of exercises too that are, it's like, this is going to take you 20 minutes, you know, spend 20 less minutes on TikTok you'll write a song. I guarantee it. If you apply yourself for a week. So it's about developing that and then looking at lyrics and looking at your voice and figuring out what, what you like and don't like. And, you know, the rest of it, it feels very much like a poetry class, I would say, uh, creative writing and thinking about all kinds of things. And and then, and then moving on from it, you know, going into the, the world of the Atus, like take your lyrics now, chop them up and, you know, it's music concrete. Like let's put this back together in any sort of weird order and look at the evocative imagery you come up with, you know, moving through cliches and looking at nouns and verbs and the metaphor that's, that's created, you know, much like this. I mean, like a lot like this too, it's like, someone's like, here's what this song is about in, in Spelljammer, right? So Michaela Davis wrote, left-hand path about a character but that song could be about anything you know the, the listener completes the journey i always say it's like she knew what she was writing about which chris perkins or someone came up with that character and what you take away from it could be about anything and that's when I, back to the top of this i told everyone like make it a three-minute song although some people made eight and ten minute songs they <laughs> failed the assignment a little bit and really make it a song people want to listen to on their own you know yeah. that so it's not just for D and D listeners, it's for the the world that appreciates music. You know, so that's what anyways. I love. Yeah, yeah, I mean, two two things to respond there. One is like a lot of what you were describing earlier on in that was the lazy DM, right? Where you can like 
create what you need for the moment that you're going to have later on. Like, don't spend too right. much time, you know, because you hear from people who spend like, I spent eight hours, 10 hours a week trying to prep for something. And you're like, but you only really used, you know, 15 minutes of that prep time during right. the game itself. Like, you know, give yourself some some, some time to uh, to improv and, and and know when to move on to, to the next inputs, which are their collaborators around the table. That's right. awesome. But then also, I love what you said about uh, you don't necessarily need to be a D and D fan or or know that this was inspired by Spelljammer to love yeah. this the music on this album, and I think that's why it's going to be able to reach so many other people is because it's just a, a listenable album unto itself. Yeah, I, I love that about music and lyrics writing, and you know, you've listened to lyrics forever, and you're like, I thought they were saying this, you know, like wrapped up like a what in the roller in the night, you know, blinded by the light. What are they saying? <laughs> but it doesn't matter. So you can just listen to the flow of that and the melody and love that. But if you start to dig down deeper, you're like, this is what this is about. I had no idea. This is what it meant to me. And that's the fun part about a song. It's There's right? three portals to sort of enjoy it through, I think. And then you can go to the songwriter and be like, oh yeah, I totally figured it out. I've been listening to this song for years. I <laughs> distilled it down. This is what you meant, right? And they're like, no, it was about a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. That- and, usually, <laughs> and usually I'm not going to tell you. So I'm glad you like my song. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I have some questions about Decemberist songs that you're going to tell me all the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. what each of them mean. Oh, yeah, that's always, I'm always like, what are you writing about? Like, okay, I know it's infanticide again, but... <laughs> I know the character is drowning again, but why? There's <laughs> a, a high death count in Decemberist land, so sorry. There y'all. really is. Yeah, no, I, it was so great to be able to see uh, the band perform again uh, here in Seattle uh, at Marymore Park. It was really, really beautiful. But I think uh, uh, Colin, the lead singer, mentioned exactly that line of like, yep, nope, this is another song about dead babies. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know there's children here, so let's, uh, everyone, this is a banger. Clap let's your go. hands. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. There's, all kinds, there's all kinds of drowning. There's drowning in water. There's drowning in ketchup. There's drowning in debt. You know, all yeah. of them. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. No limits. There's a song drowning about each one. Drowning, yeah. drowning in space is actually not suffocation. It's called drowning in space, I'm pretty sure, yeah. so. On that cheery note. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody go stream this album. And so everybody go stream this album. <laughs> it, I swear it does not have any babies uh, in it at all. <laughs> Except, you and, know, uh, Kindori whale creatures. Uh, they have babies and they're, they're, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Not as much about plasmoids as I thought there'd be. I will say that. I know. I was surprised. Not... I thought everybody was going to... No blob love. No blob blob love. Blob blob. blob. (laughs) Not not enough in my book, but still, the essence is there. Well, we can do a a, a sequel, right? Well, you know, there's those those movie soundtracks that get extremely popular that have, you know, oh yeah, here's the rest of the music and here's the other licensed stuff that didn't get their contracts in in time to put it in the first one. We'll do that too here. We'll do Spell Jams 2, 3, 4, Forever and Ever. Well, I mean, I'm sure artists are going to be clamoring to get in on the next one now that they know this is a thing. I'm drowning in plasmoids. (laughs) I feel like that's a possibility. (laughs) Drowning in the ooze. Oh, maybe I'll. That's a nice song, too. Wait a minute. Drowning in the ooze. Very lyrical. Mm, I feel inspired. Can I already hear it? (laughs) We're giving you inspiration. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a big EDM bass drop happening. I can, I can hear the plasmoid like building, building, building. I just hear right. like what rhymes with pseudopod? Feel <laughs> 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 challenged. Wow. Mod. Wow. Delicious cod. Delicious cod. <laughs> Feed your <laughs> bod with delicious cod. <laughs> you pseudopod. Oh. See, these were all lyrics you used in your uh, your Weird Al parody uh, God. career, Shelley. <laughs> well, now, you know what? Maybe I'll make a parody album of the Spelljammer <sighs> album. Oh, my gosh. Please <laughs> do. That's a bad idea. In your copious spare time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, be, I'll do it. I'm going to get cracking on that right now, guys. As long as you can learn the accordion. I know, I know, Funk, you know a few accordion players. 
I know a lot of accordion players. You know, I might do like <laughs> air accordion. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Wisconsin. Shout out to the Midwest. <laughs> you win that player. one, Funk. Okay. <laughs> polka, polka nerds unite. Let's go. <laughs> Your son was at a polka party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen the Weird Al, uh, Weird the Al Yankovic story trailer that dropped yes. yesterday? Uh, yes. No, I can't wait. I saw a still from it, but no, I haven't seen the trailer. You should. It will tickle he looks you. Very much like Weird Al. It's very Aaron much. Radcliffe. Yeah, he yeah. looks very much like him. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it. It um, is uh, top of the list for sure. Uh, it's a parody of uh, of, of biopics. As, as of course a Weird Al movie should be. Of course be. it would be. Of course yeah. It would be. yeah. <laughs> parody, parody, parody. Yeah, it works. Well, uh, this album is wonderful. It's available now. You can get it uh, everywhere. You stream and make things happen. And like we said, that was a vinyl edition, uh, which I, I don't have the physical, I don't have a, a, to be able to see it quite yet, but the art on the cover uh, looks amazing. Yeah, and um, you can pre-order it at Kill Rockstars, I believe. That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, all right. It's been wonderful talking through this collaboration and, of course, uh, everything about Spelljammer, and I can't wait. So, uh, Funk, where can people... We talked about where to get the album, but like, where can people just find out what you're doing and, and, and games you're playing and D&D stuff you're doing? Yeah, I most often hang out on the IG at Critical Funk. So follow me there on Instagram. Excellent. And uh, uh, Mr. Perkins, where, where I know where people can find you on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't in believe Earth that. space. Yes, Earth space. That's the last <laughs> place I'd look for you, Perkins. <laughs> yes, at, uh, and I'm on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Hanging out with the Astro Elves and the Plasmoids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you both. Uh, this is amazing. I'm going to go listen to uh, Spaces, please. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was wonderful talking to those two creative folks from two different spheres and how their spheres overlapped into a Venn diagram <laughs> that is Spell Jams. It is. I love the creativity. I love how what Perkins was talking about uh, one type, you know, art inspiring other types of art and artists. And it's just a constant circle of feeding art and creativity. I love it. Yes. And it is on display in uh, that album. Uh, There is uh, some of what, you you know, we do sometimes, Shelley, of of creating a thing of a... uh, Ship, a spell jamming ship, a model that went into space with some dice on it. Oh, and then, God, yes. So cool and interesting to see uh, a D&D miniature with a, a, a die in the heavens, uh, in something that looks like the astral sea depicted in Spelljammer. Yeah, like and actually what it would look like. The idea to put the album spell jams to yes. that entire two and a half hour video of that model going up to space i mean it is it wonderful. all works it just all goes together so yes if you all have not checked out spell jams please do yourself a favor stream it wherever you like to stream your music from and also check out the youtube video if you just want to have like a cool visual <laughs> very peaceful very calm and listen to the album that way while you're watching this uh d20 in a custom-built Star Moth replica ship make its way into outer space. Right. That's right. We did that. It's a real fun way to do it. Not all the, the, the lo-fi beats are lo-fi. There are a couple of, of high fi There's some beats. real headbangers in there. There's some real headbangers the in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like the... I mean, I just think that's such a great contrast of the different uh, musical styles and uh, emotional beats within all of every Dungeons and Dragons session, really. Exactly. Takes you want to have a well rounded party. You also want to have a well rounded tribute album. <laughs> <laughs> it's an As it turns out. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so check out that Spell Jams everywhere. Uh, you can pre-order the vinyl artifact edition. And it'll come your oh. way. I believe you can get that through uh, a bunch of different merchants. Uh, 
mostly for your for your uh, area wherever you are. Um, but if you want to find out what's going on in our neck of the woods, you can follow me at Greg Tito. I'm on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And what about you, Shelly Moo? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Shelly Moo. Love it. Love it. And we turn our attention now to what is happening with Drunky Two Shoes in another world, another place. You've recently uh, walked into, uh, you know, you're looking for your brother who was rescued by Laryl Silverhand uh, with the only spell that she had available to her, which was a instantaneous planar shift uh, type of spell that sent her to a location that you are now at yourself. You walked into a bar with there was lots of people bustling around. It was a city that was full of uh, life and people and uh, a huge, large crystal uh, in the center of said city. And uh, yeah, like you said, you went into a tavern and ordered a drink. And the drink was called the Drunky Two-Shoes. Yeah. And the bartender said that's the, uh, the founder of this establishment created that drink. It's been around for centuries. And the founder was? Daryl Two Shoes. The heck? Yeah. Um, so there you are. You're in front of, you're in the bar still. I believe you had just been sipping this drink and he laid that, that nugget of information on you. What do you, what do you do? I, I believe I told him, I think, didn't I say like, oh, my name is Drunky Two Shoes and my brother is Daryl and I'm here looking for Daryl. I, I don't own this. Uh, he doesn't own this club, this bar. Daryl's been gone for, for centuries. We, we haven't seen him. He started this establishment, and uh, it, it's more of a legend, really. I, I'm, I can't believe this is real. Centuries? Yes. Does time work differently wherever I am right now? Oh, well, where, 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 where are you from? I mean, we have... Cholt? Where am I from? I mean, I'm an adventurer. I'm kind of from everywhere, right? Oh, but from, you're not from this plane. No. Where is Cholt? The jungle. <laughs> oh well, we have uh, we, we we you could take a trip using one of the crystals to a to a jungle area. Is that where you're where you're from? Yes, but I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand any of this. And I I came here because my brother is missing, and a very powerful wizard from Waterdeep told me that he was here somewhere on a different plane, and I don't even know the first. I don't know where I am, and I don't know how to find him, and I don't know why you think he owned this club, and I don't know why I keep calling it a club. It's a bar. It's a tavern. And I don't know why there's a drink named after me. And honestly, I don't even know if I want to keep looking for Daryl because every time I, I find him, he goes off missing again. And isn't it time that an old kitty like me just takes a, a long nap in a little beam of sun and drinks a saucer of milk and just calls it a day? <laughs> the bartender just kind of absorbs uh, all of that and just says, you don't look like an old kitty. Okay, well, <laughs> we have nine lives. Yeah, you look pretty good. Uh, and uh, this God. drink might have gone directly to your head. Uh, that happens sometimes after yeah. uh, such amounts of trouble. And like so my advice, my advice to you is to, uh, is to have another one. And he shakes up another one and he, 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 this one's on the house. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. You did, you did say your name was Drunky, right? Yes. Drunky Two-Shoes. That means you need to continue to consume Drunky Two-Shoes. I feel a very strong kindred connection with you, Mr. Bartender. <laughs> well, the name is Alphonse. Oh, it's nice, nice to, to meet you. you. Oh. Um, Alphonse, what do I do? What's hap- Like, Do you have any pictures of Drunky? I mean, Daryl Two-Shoes? I do not. There, he uh, famously did not uh, leave much instructions on how to continue uh, this establishment. Uh, but the, my predecessor like told me the story that he had uh, arrived here and uh, started this establishment. And this drink became extremely popular amongst uh, a group of people. And it was enough to, to keep us in business and has become a staple here on the Radiant Citadel. Yeah, I... I don't know. I think I might 
it might have gone to my head a little. You probably did tell me to like go check out like the town records or something. There is vague, familiar. There are some people who might be able to help you uh, with more information. Um, And after you've got this and we have some more time to chat, perhaps you should uh, um, go visit them. That sounds like what I'm going to do. All right, then. Alphonse. Well, you let me know if you need anything uh, as you you drink that. Here, have some... uh, um, Kibble. (laughs) Kibble. <laughs> some some wet food, perhaps. Some yes, I was going to say uh, here's some boiled boiled peanuts. Did somebody just open a can. <laughs> <laughs> mm, boiled uh, yeah, peanuts. so he 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 gives you as much food and drink as you need. Uh, God, uh, to kind of uh, get you up to speed. Um, and as so nice. uh, as you're kind of eating, uh, you hear. Something happening outside, uh, like a clamoring, uh, metal hitting metal, and, and a big crash. Whoa, did anyone else hear that? Yes. What's, what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see a couple more of the patrons kind of turn their heads, and one of them, uh, you see, uh, draws a, a, a short kind of dagger and runs outside. Whoa. I, can I like stand up on my bar stool to try to get a better look, but not go to the door? Yes, uh, and make me a perception check. We'll get some rolling in here. It's been like a couple rolling. of weeks without any rolling. Here we go. Seventeen. Seventeen. Interesting. All right. So then you are able to see a a group of uh, tall humanoids. Um, are, are they're, they're, they're carrying uh, metal sticks uh, and they're kind of banging them against each other uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, and more people start to congregate. Alphonse, who are these dudes? I don't know. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like this before on the Radiant Citadel. Oh. That's you best go scary. check it out. I... <sighs> are you okay? Here. Yeah. And, he, and he gives you... A, uh, a cup of um, of uh, steaming black liquid. Is that my drink? Yeah. Is that I what mean, I've been drinking? Do you want to sober a- up? No. It, 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 oh. This is this is some sober juice. Oh. Ew. <laughs> Who would make such a thing? <laughs> Sometimes adventurers ask for it. I don't know. Mm, okay, uh, I'll try some. Okay. Uh, and it uh, it is uh, kind of energizing. Uh, you kind of oh. feel like the warm liquid kind of go down your body, and you feel a little bit uh, um, buoyed. Uh, and then nice. yeah, any drunkenness that you kind of had kind of does just uh, uh, wipe away very quickly. I want my money back. <laughs> you haven't paid yet. Mm, now go point. out there and tell me what's happening. Keep my bar Good. safe or okay. your bar safe, as the case right. may be. It's my bar. Okay, I'll go out. And we'll pick it up. There next time. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be terrible. I don't like it. But it you've got new spells that you can use, so I wanted to put oh, them yeah, in. Yeah, let's do that. Spell, spell, spell. We'll pick it up. All right. And maybe have some lo fi beats happening in the background. I like it. Maybe we could go see a band while we're here on the Radiant Citadel. <laughs> yes. Mr. DJ. The January. Maybe it is a club. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, Next thanks. Next time. Thanks, everyone.